Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. I am your host, Rob Watson. And as always, we have a really insightful, unique, wonderful show set up for you today. Um, I usually end our program by saying that we will promise that for the next show, which we will again, by the way. Um, And I usually have no idea what that will be, but I can guarantee you that when we pull this together, it is unique and wonderful. Um, Today, we do have a unique and wonderful guest. Uh, His name is Juan Cruz III. Um, He's a talented young man. He is an LGBTQ actor, voiceover artist, makeup artist, videographer, and photographer. Um, He's also a – he's launched his career or his aspirations in his career to be a filmmaker. Um, He has won several awards across the different disciplines. He has gotten involved in all sorts of things and lent his talents. Um, but one of the things that he has not done is traditionally, quote-unquote, made it. So um, in that light, he is launching a new podcast, which is phenomenal, um, called Being a Has Never, because he has never made it yet, as opposed to being a has-been, who is somebody who made it and is no longer. Um, in this podcast, he shares his experiences, no hold barred. Um, that is one of the things that is so charming about his new podcast is uh, there's no filter. You know, he tells you his failures in glorious detail. Um, he, you know, tells you the, the things that he's gotten involved with, the inspirations, um, everything about it. It's um, really fascinating and engaging. engaging. It's the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads, the beautiful, the ugly, um, it's all there. Um, he is hilarious and insightful, and he shares his experiences and his thoughts um, in this great podcast. And I have to say, we've had a lot of guests on who have, are launching films. They've, they're um, finding success in different film festivals. Some of them have launched to the big time where – they're on the streaming services in Netflix. We've had H, uh, HBO Max, Disney Plus, um, all sorts of people on who have, you know, essentially made it. And uh, Juan's insight is for all the many people, which is a huge majority, who are fighting to get there someday. And um, it's refreshing and engaging and wonderful, and we can't wait to talk to him about it further. So without further ado... Um, let me welcome to the show, Mr. Juan Cruz the Third. Juan, welcome. Hey, Rob. Oh my God, you make me sound so amazing. My gosh. <laughs> well, you are. You are I'm amazing. I love. Yeah, I got to listen to all the the pre recordings of of the, your podcast and just it totally engaged. It was just completely fascinating. Um, let's start with the premise. Um, what is a has never? So a has never, in my definition, is someone who has, it's 
someone who's trying to break into the entertainment industry, and as you said, it has never, is someone who hasn't exactly quite made their career impact. The exact opposite of a has-been. And a has-been, as we all know, was someone who has made an impact. At one point, they were that it girl. They were one of the most rele- relevant, prevalent, you know, that person in the entertainment industry. But for some reason, popularity, they just died off into obscurity. And for my podcast, it's about that dream of trying to get into the film entertainment industry. Because as we all know, it is, it's one of the most challenging and it's definitely one of the most, it's one of the hardest working industries you have to, you have to get into. And I wanted to share a podcast because I kept thinking about it. There's a lot of podcasts out there in my experience that talk about, you know, oh, I did these really cool, amazing award shows, or I just started out being a PA and they just talk about all the successes. Now, I'm not trying to come off like as someone who's like very angry or bitter, but what about the people who didn't exactly quite get there yet? Or the people who are still working, like where situation? Who else like gets up in their feelings? And I was thinking at first, I don't know if people are going to want to hear, you know, my sad stories of like the failures I've had about learning and growing. And then I said, you know what? tell the story. And so far the responses I've gotten from like people I've shared the, the podcast I've recorded so far, they agree. They like how I'm not afraid to share those ugly sides. The whole, like, what was it like having my first indie feature completely fall through or how I own up to being very competitive and throwing hissy fits. So I was like, you know what, let's share that because I doubt everyone is going to have this, like, perfect experience about how, oh, I just went out there and did it. Great. So what were you, like, behind closed doors? How, what, were the, right. what were the crying sessions like for you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, seriously, because, that, I mean, that's such a good point. Because people come on and it's like, it's, they, you look at their, it's like talking to their resume. It's like it, they go from this, and then, oh, I got discovered for this, and then I got discovered for this, and it just seems like this smooth, easy path to success. And I think that is discouraging to people who are fighting because it, I think the failures are, first of all, everybody has them, even the people that sound like they don't. They just simply omitted all of that part. And it's it, the I think the thing that makes people successes is not that they have failures, but what their reaction to it is. So you coming out with this honesty and no holds barred and, you know, and they're quite frankly, it's the way you present it. It comes off actually very funny Um, and not at your expense, but just that your, your bold honesty is like, it's like you're listening and going, Oh my God, I can't believe you just, said that and he just admitted that that's so cool um so no, no. that that is awesome no and and that's why i kind of wanted to make it relatable because i'm not gonna as you know me in person and so do a lot of my friends i'm not this perfect i'm not perfect in any way shape or form but i'm very hilarious is what i'm told the, and i was like you know what let's let me kind of make a joke out of the failures and the lessons I've learned because it's like you have to laugh at it. And that's why, like, and that's when I say you can't get up in your feelings because if you dwell on it 
if you dwell on the failures too, too much, then you're not going to want to push yourself forward, as, as all the greats say. And that was something I was thinking about. I was like, I want to – this podcast idea, I was like, I want to tell this story, but it's like, how am I going to do this? So in a way, it's actually more like a um, a diary for me. It's a reflective moment because, you know, with 2020, COVID, and the – the film industry in general, I will be actually honest, I'll give you guys some insight, is that it got hard. It got hit very hard. And I mean, like, mm-hmm. productions were shut down. Agents, like, all the talent agencies from all, like, the uh, social media groups I'm a part of, they even admitted, it's like, girl, we can't give any of our actors work because there's no work. The productions had to shut down because it cost them so much for, like, COVID resources or you know, they had an outbreak, so they have to, like, shut down production until everyone gets back from quarantine. And back then, it was at least two weeks before you can start getting back to work. And even some agencies had to fire their agents because there was just no money to keep them afloat. So trust me when I say this, it was a lot. The entertainment industry got hit really hard. So that's where I was thinking, like, what, let's, let's reflect back. Let's kind of figure out, well, since everyone's in this new transition, how, how do I change my career forward? So I thought, let's write it down as a, di- as a podcast diary and just see how other people related and then fine-tuning it. And then I'm now here talking about this whole, like, honesty about the times I was a very <laughs> – it's, it's funny thinking about it now, but it's – I'm talking about how I was this messy party girl at one of the film festival closing parties, which plot twist everybody. Just remember, it is technically a professional networking event. So have a few drinks, have a few laughs, but don't go prob- don't go past your limit because you don't want to be that girl. And I was unfortunately that girl who got a little too crazy. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, I I was that girl as well because, and I don't even know if you know this about me, but when I started out in um, Hollywood, I was I was dead set on becoming an actor, and I actually got involved in a theater group. Um, it was it was owned by uh, run or started by Martin Landau who. Um, Oscar winner. He was on the original Mission Impossible. Um, but the, the theater group was made up of actors that if you saw them on stage there um, in the production, all of them were working actors. They weren't necessarily big stars, but they were always the ones that were in the TV shows, in the supporting parts, and you saw them regularly. They were very recognizable. So all these people were the people that I was on stage with and the director wanted to take me under my wing, his wings, wanted me to sign up for his classes and do all this stuff. But I was too invested in drinking. And I was, the one thing I found out was I couldn't drink and go on stage because that, I tried that a few times. Disaster. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, And so, um, so it was like when he made me this offer, it was like, you know, oh, my God, but my evenings, I'm, you know, I need to go out and party. And, you know, and that was my choice. And I made that choice. And, you know, it's, um, you know, my life would have been very, very different had I had my wits about me and had not done that. But that was, you know, so I think your tale there and your honesty about it is super important, you know, for people to hear. Because I think that 
um, that opportunity because you do outline about the film festivals, about what a great opportunity it is to network, to build your base, to do all of that, which is which would be vital and career propelling if it's done right, but how easily it is to fall into the happy party side. And um, so I, I think it's, you know, it's probably more important to hear how you tell it than somebody who talks about how, oh, I networked at, you know, CineQuest and, you know, made this great connection. Next thing I knew, I was, you know, assistant on a film and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I mean, I kudos to you for that. Um, I want to take you back to one thing, back to your own inspiration on going into film in the first place. And you talk about DVDs and the DVD extras, which I love because that used to be my favorite part about buying a DVD was that second disc and the, all the extras in it. Um, talk to us about that. What, how did that inspire you? Yeah, so when um so as Reggie, you probably also know these two, VHSs had these really cool like post credit fifteen minute like behind the scenes featurette. And I remember too, um, it was on what was it? I think it was Sleeping Beauty, The Pet Shop. These are some of the old films that I was growing up with. I always waited till the very end to watch the behind the scenes featurettes. And, you know, movies like Star Wars Episode Three that had like four additional DVDs. Remember how they came so big? You were buying a book, basically. Though loved watching those behind-the-scenes um, specials because it was, like watching, it was like watching a magic show in front of you, seeing how, like, all these artists are coming together, how they're putting their craft into one big, giant project. To me, I didn't know what exactly it was growing up. I don't know what these people are doing, but – I'm getting to see movie magic happen in front of me. I'm seeing how they make how they're making all these puppets like move or, you know, talking to the actors and seeing that they're not this grumpy old man, but they're this really funny person behind the makeup. And that and being young, you know, I'm like, I wanna do that. I don't know what it is they're doing, but I wanna get into filmmaking and that is where the inspiration came about. It was like I said, it's people being themselves but creating. And there was this really cool thing I heard off of TikTok about how an artist is, it doesn't matter the medium that an artist chooses. It's an artist is someone who just wants to create. And for me, um, filmmaking, the inter- uh, television, that's what got me going into like, let's start creating something because you can create some of the most craziest, most unique films out there, or you can just create the most simplest project and if and for some reason it just gets you excited. It gives you that light, that whole like, oh my god, like do it again. Let's do it actually ten more times, and let's try to go even crazier. And that's what I and that's that feeling I got after watching those behind the scenes featurettes. And also too, do you remember how like Universal Studios they have their their backlot tours? Oh my god, seeing like how the Grinch stole Christmas backlot. Oh, I gagged when I saw that. It was that like, oh my God, there's the movie magic. There's the little cars. There's little Whoville. That was actually another personal favorite behind the scenes feature I loved watching. Ron Howard in his in that Grinch outfit and just seeing all the the crazy kooky Whovillian um buildings. Oh that I got so excited seeing that behind the scenes featurette. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Did you listen? Because one thing they used to do on a lot of the DVDs is they would have the full movie, but then instead of the regular soundtrack, different people like the director or maybe some of the stars would be doing commentary throughout the whole movie about how it was made and telling different backside stories. Backside is probably the wrong term. Back um, behind the scenes <laughs> stories, um, you know, showing their backside um, uh, about the film, um, and it, it kind of is something that with all the streaming movies and all that these days, I think kind of gets lost. Um, where would somebody like somebody younger than than you even, you know, like a 18 year old who is wanting to get into film, where would they access all that stuff these days? I'll be very honest. Back to the first question. I uh, I actually didn't listen to the audio commentaries over the film, only because when I watch a film, I'm invested in what's happening visually. So, it, it, which is funny because I'm getting into podcasting. <laughs> hear someone tell a story. So <laughs> I didn't do the audio commentaries but I just love seeing it on screen in front of me. The See, the thing is, though, DVDs and uh, DVDs are still around, right? Or Blu-rays, they're still around. Oh, yeah. This day yeah, they're age, still right? around. Okay. They're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're still around. So to my knowledge, um, everyone that's still wanting to get in the film industry, they can still totally get a DVD, a Blu-ray still. But, you know, with YouTube nowadays, you get a, I can see some really cool old footage I haven't seen in almost like 30 years or like not 30 years, uh, 20 years. Like there's some like old cartoons that are not on DVDs or not on Blu-rays or on streaming services yet, but they're right there on YouTube. And you literally can find almost anything and everything from the past like 20 years. So I think nowadays if someone wants to see some of these behind the scenes featurettes, if they don't want to go by the DVD have a whole book on their shelves, they can do the free 99 version and check out YouTube. It may not be the best quality, but you'll still be able to get some really cool behind-the-scenes uh, featurettes. Like, and I even think there's some photos that like get circulated on behind-the-scenes featurette Star Wars. And I'm sure you're going to find like a thousand different clips to choose from just to see how they made Star Wars come alive. Yeah, no, I I think that that is a great resource, and I and it is you know younger people are completely plugged into YouTube, and um, so I think I think they fall into um, the new version of that. It's just it's just funny how changing media, you know, and the access of that um, changes things. Um, one thing I was switching gears a little bit. Um, one thing you share about in one of your podcasts is kind of a good commentary on um, talent visibility and what who gets focused on who doesn't. Just And this was like, I think it was a high school production of you, when you played the role of Tiny Tim. Um, tell us that story. What, what happened with that and what, what did you take away from it? Yeah, so I was Tiny Tim. Oh, Lord, how old was I? I was eight, seven, so I was a child, and the the funny thing was I was even tinier. I'm a very tall five foot four. Okay, I'm a very tall five foot four, and when I was eight, the tallest I was probably, five foot four I know. <laughs> exactly, I know a giant. 
uh, I was a, a pretty tiny kid. Now, I didn't know exactly, you know, what was the significance of like of um, of having your photo taken to promote a, a production, to promote promote a film. I didn't quite understand the significance of it, and the first time I actually had that happen to me was with another production I did where I saw a bunch of these kids like having their photo taken. And I thought to myself, why am I not in that same photo with the rest of these kids? Because it turned, because I didn't realize that it's only like the principal actors or like some of like the top or top talent essentially that are in the film help promote it. And I didn't realize that until I got, my role as Tiny Tim. Granted, I still, it still didn't click in my head how important Tiny Tim's role was in A Christmas Carol. It didn't click in my head that I'm a driving force in Scrooge's character arc. And then when I finally saw the picture, and then I started, and I actually saw the play, like the um, production, and now clicked. The whole representing on like the, the certain actors is because these people are playing a big part in the story they're playing a big part on how characters like change in the whole production and as a kid try explaining that to some and try explaining that to a child who's five years old because all they see is a camera and people are getting their picture taken and Mm -hmm. i feel like that that was kind of a lesson i late i didn't realize until i got a little bit older when it's like okay it's 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 not like you're not talented. It's not like you're you're not important. Like every character's role is important in a production. It's just is your character helping drive the story? And you have to honestly answer that. And if it's like yes, your character is significant throughout the film, then yeah, you'll be in the promotional picture. But it's it's a Christmas Carol. We all know it's Scrooge, it's Cratchit, Tiny Tim, and the Three Ghosts. Like those are the the main folks that help drive the story. And I feel like with other actors, some it's like that's just kind of like a harsh reality. I feel like, you, again, you can't get in your feelings. It's not like you're not important. It's just your character is not heavy in the production right now. And we have to learn to accept that sometimes, which is something I've learned later on. It's like don't get in your feelings. You are talented. It's just it, this isn't the project for you yet. Something else will come along later, like this podcast, for instance. Right. This Right. Finally came along later, and I'm can I can now help promote and have my picture on there and really help drive my story essentially. So that was yeah, definitely no, a lesson I learned I later. Think, <laughs> I I think I think uh, the the one undertone about your story with Tiny Tim is um, that all productions and including actors, you know the sub the 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 things that come together to make a production the actors in it, the storyline, you know, everything, it is all merchandise at some point. So, you know, the promotion of a whole production, they're going to feature the elements of the production that people will relate to and will make them both understand what it is but compel them to attend, et cetera, et cetera. So Tiny Tim in the story of uh, Christmas Carol is a driving force. So they wanted your picture in there so that, you know, it's like people got that sense and everything else. The, the other aspect of it that I found important and that I found as a has never that people don't talk about in the process of grooming people for the industry, they always focus on talent. They focus on, 
you know, all these different things. They even focus on the, the methods of producing an entire production, whether it's film or theater or whatever. But what they don't focus on is that you are a product. You are, you know, you have to look at yourself not as your talent or your desires or your ego or any of that, but you have to look at yourself as this packaged product and sell that product. Um, I know you are a, a Cracker Jack salesperson. How do you relate those two disciplines? Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's, it comes down to the marketing. And I think when it comes to, like, how am I a product, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of myself as, as pretty much like the big brother that has done this, and I want to try to share. And that's, I think, uh, and that's, I think the, product, the product I try to offer when I do this podcast or even how can I enhance your guys' project with my voiceover. And that's, some, and that's how I relate to that. It's like, what can I do to help enhance this project? How do I make it sound better than what it is? It's like with, with like cosmetics. How do I make this foundation sound better than just a foundation? It's, something, it's a foundation that helps enhance the radiancy that you have in your skin. It helps dilute the fine lines. It helps dilute the pores. And it helps just enhance the natural skin in you. And that's something that you're totally right, that a lot of actors forget that you guys are a product. How are you enhancing it? Because there's a casting director I've met, and she agrees on the same thing. It's like you can, have, you can be the most talented. You can be the most, like, gearhead-ready, like, actor, voice actor. But if you forget about marketing yourself as a product or as a business, you're not going to get any work done. And that's something I feel like a lot – and that's actually something I do kind of talk about in um, – my podcast in the later in later episode is the marketing is what's going to really help get your career. And essentially, if you don't put yourself out there as like an enhancement to someone's project, then yeah, you're not going to really get as much work. And that was something I learned too while being a student. And I was like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. So yeah, girl, it's a uh, you got to remember, like, it's great that you're a person, great that you are someone that we can work with, but what can you do? What do you do successfully, quickly? <laughs> and, yeah, and along those lines, one thing you talk about in the podcast is um, the uh, challenge of focusing and asking yourself what, what are you really good at. Um, can you talk about focus and how important that is and how have you applied it? So – in the podcast, I talk about how I went from being an actor to being a director to then being a makeup artist, then dabbling into hair, and then going back to makeup and start doing voiceover. It, the, whole the whole reason about focus is it, it's, it, it follows RuPaul's stick-with-itness. RuPaul talks about this on his podcast, What's the Tea with Michelle Visage?, and stick with itness is where you stick with something long enough to see it finally flourish. And in this instance, it was the entertainment industry. I stuck with the entertainment industry by trying to get in, in it in any way I could. The problem was, though, when you start jumping around too much in all the different actor, editor, actor, it's, it's great you know how to do these things, but then sometimes the quality isn't quite there. And I know being a jack-of-all-trades, and especially in independent filmmaking, 
being a jack of all trades is really helpful because then you know how to do everything. But what about focusing on like the one thing you're really good at? And I feel like now that's something that I didn't really apply while trying to break into it because I was just trying to get into everything and anything I could. But I kind of was looking back at it and it was like, well, how great was your directing? How great is your acting? Like how do you, would you say like this is Oscar worthy? And I was being honest with myself. It's not, it really wasn't. And it's like, okay, baby, you got to find something to really like hone your craft in because Otherwise, you're not going to have that Oscar, that Oscar moment. And that's kind of why I say when you do want to get into this industry, focus on the job that you want to do. So if you want to get into being an editor, you're not going to go and apply to be the production assistant who's running around on set. No, you're going to go find the editing job. You're going to be the assistant editor who's going to have to color correct or the assistant edi- editor that's going to help put the montage together while they're making on the main sequence or you're going to have to render all the files after you have 1,400 hours of footage you're going to have to go through, or you're going to have to help sync the sound for the sound editors. So trust me, I've done that too, and that's a that's, – go editors. I, if you're an editor out there, I applaud you because that is a – you are the true magicians. I'm just going to say that. But my point is focus in on what you're trying – on what you're trying to grow in the industry. And – the past 12 years, I'm finally focusing in on sound, voiceover work, and podcasting because I've done it before, but now I really want to hone in on it and make it the, be- the best I can in my pre- current present moment. Yeah, let me, let me ask you this because um, one thing that struck me listening to your podcast and a lot of your, your experiences, both the successes and failures, which you were, like we said, you are, you know, no holds barred, brutally honest. You know, it's like we made this mistake. It, you know, crashed and burned, you know. Um, but even in that, the fact that you have such insight as to exactly why things crashed and burned. And, you know, it's, it, there's no doubt that your, your observations are accurate. Um, I walk away with the knowledge of, of wow, Juan really knows how to produce a film. And, wow, Juan is very capable in terms of writing a script and, you know, doing all these things. Uh, Now I'm losing sight of my question. Um, uh, So in in that, um, yes, your talent is, and your podcast, I think, is going to be hugely successful um, and, and as you know, I, I've always thought that you have huge talent as a voiceover actor, and I can't wait to see those projects. But do you think you'll ever go back to being a producer and directing a film? It seems like through your experiences, even though they weren't successes, that you learned literally how to do it right, and that the next time you're not going to make those mistakes. But is that door shut, or are you, or is that something that you are open to revisiting for yourself? So <laughs> I'll just tell you this right now: the producer and directing club children, it it costs money. It costs lots of money, a lot more money than you think. The door yeah. for me, anyway, it's not necessarily closed. It's 
it's just there because um being a direct, being a director i think not in, is you have to be a director in other ways too i mean i've also done experience of like shooting youtube videos and like shooting tiktoks for south salon and i'm the director and editor and producer there because i'm like okay who's this client or like okay i want to create this content but doing a major project i don't know because <laughs> I'll be frank and honest. This is, again, another thing I will kind of consider and talk about. It's, in my experience, it can be kind of challenging to get people to jump on board your project. Now, I talk about this in this this first coming season. It, I talk about how I had this really cool script. It was definitely a homoerotic short project. The pro, and everyone thought visually it, looked, it sounds amazing. Content-wise, I think this is really cool and how you touch on a few subjects. But sometimes it was hard. It was, but in all honesty, it was hard to get actors to hop on board. And that's kind of like a challenge I have with being a producer and a director was you can believe in your project so much, but if you can't find people that, that want to hop on and help you out, then you can't direct or produce anything. And that's kind of right. why I'm like, I'm kind of, and it's that point where I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to get back into that because it's sometimes hard to talk to people. It, and it sometimes is hard to like talk about what you're trying to create. So I would rather help support the team in a way where like, I, I have voice acting skills. I have audio skills. Let me bring that and help your project come about. But who knows? I mean, I honestly thought, well, the 2016, when I went down to L.A., I thought I was going to be living there from then on. Flash forward to 2022, I'm now here in the Bay Area in beautiful Santa Cruz. So I'm not saying it's closed, but as of right now, the door is just it's right there while I'm focusing in on my right, other right. projects. Well, let, let's take you back a little bit on, on some of your films. Um, so you, one of the ones that gave you kind of this instant – um, boost um, was a short film called Run. It was a thriller film. Um, talk to us about that and what what that meant to, for you. Oh my God, that was <laughs> that was uh, 2010. I want to say it was literally my first little project right after high school and college. So um, I went. I did the whole junior college transfer to Cal State uh, University, the traditional college route. Run was a final film project for uh, my junior college. It was my first semester. The whole point of the class was we were going to watch, like, a lot of films from, like, the early 1900s to around 1960 as, like, the top films of each decade. And our project was we had to create a film based on, like, oh, take a look at this cinematography. Take a look at this editing style. Let's see if you absorbed all the theory and can put it into one final project. Run was this – oh, Lord, I, <laughs> I feel like a film bro as I say this. It was this artsy desire is can be very dangerous, and I turned it like like it's a very, like, animalistic, like, virile thing. The, I play this character who's, like, a, a scary-looking creature, well, just me in some dark clothing, and I'm chasing – this beautiful girl, right? This actress I worked with prior um, back in high school. We did theater together. And I said, hey, can you please be my, my heroine, my ingenue, and I chase you around the forest. 
towards the end, I grab her, but I let her go because you know what? My de- it, the desire's not there anymore. I'm not feeling it. Plot twist, I actually just come back and sneak her because, you know what, it's still my desire. I'm going to get what I want. I think really that whole, that whole mini project was like, okay, this is now the time where I'm not having to follow, like, high school restrictions about, like, costume design. I could really go out there and just see what happens. And in this film project, I was playing a lot with, like, color. I was playing a lot with, okay, I want, like, a super scary, like, darker tone. So let's try filming, like, later in the day, like, around, like, 4 o'clock where the sun's about to go down. Let me play with, like, darker clothing. Let's use, like, the colors red, black. And let's do a very, like, somber, like, tone. And I think right there that's what kind of, like, that helped spark the creativity. I'm like, okay, what's the – where do you want to go with projects? What's the place that you want to check out? And where, where can we explore more? So that was the fun, cool project that I had. And um, on top of that, too, the junior college had a public access uh, television station. Now, I don't know if the kids nowadays know what the hell a public access television station is. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if they're still around. Rob, are they still around nowadays? Because everything I think they, I think the they are. I think they are, <laughs> but you're right. It's like it's – well, because the – Hey, I come from the day where there were five ch- television channels, and that's all you got. And one of them actually probably oh was God. public access. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> so it's you know through cable and now streaming and all these things, it's it's gotten way out there. Um, so I think the closest to public access now is probably people doing their own YouTube channel. But um, I do right? think actually there is a public access. Yeah, because I I know like the the uh, city councils get broadcast out on them and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, they're probably there. Anyway, we we did it. So there was a public access channel um, that through the that yeah through you, the uh, junior college had. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the cool thing about and the, and I think this is what really um, really set it off for me was that the the um, head of our department came by to our film class, saw all the final projects, and she decided which films were going to be featured on the Gavlin College public access channel, and mine was selected. It wasn't necessarily just the creativity. It was the fact that my artwork was validated in a way. God, that sounds so right. terrible when I say that out loud, but it was... No, but it's it true. Because someone, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's because, like, the way I word it is that it's not, it's not just, like, validated, oh, I'm good enough. It's it's more like someone recognizes that creativity and someone thinks that is, that's worth sharing with people. Because let's be real, in the age of content now, there's so much content out there, but is it really worth seeing or does it, is it something that's unique and different? And that's what I really loved about that moment on getting my project on CMAP was because, one, it's, it's TV. I didn't care if it was public access at the time. I didn't care if it was, you know, whatever, just on cable. I have a project on TV. Suck it. Everyone else is below me right now. You can't tell me nothing. I am on cloud nine. Like, being 18 and having a project on TV, you're like, girl, I, I, made, I made it. There's my moment right there. And, that's what, and that was really what kicked it for me there. It was that you have creativity. You have something that is worth sharing with people let's keep going and get that film degree so that you can keep sharing with more people on TV. 
So that was really that cool. Like that, that's it, Tiffany, but it's because someone recognizes the artwork that you put together. Exactly. And I think that is super important. And, you know, I can point back to that for myself with um, my acting because I won in high school, I won all the high school acting awards and, you know, that just it, to your point, it makes you feel validated and, um, you know, it helps step you up. Um, I love what you mentioned though, uh, you know, when you were starting to talk about run that you were sounding like a, a film bro and you talk about film bros in your podcast. What is a film bro and why are they so obnoxious? Okay. So a film bro is, I, I, I will give them credit. It's, the film bros are the people that have like that artistic um, intelligence when it comes to film. In other words, they're the people that are like, oh, you didn't see the Swift Anderson film? No, no, no. It's not the same like his first early beginning. There's this youthful, this non-pretentious like conformity. Like, no, he references all these really cool 1960 films. Like, oh, you just don't understand. You just don't get it. Like, bro, you just have to watch these films in order to get this new Wes Anderson project. It's, it's the people that really think, it's the film rules that really think that they have all this vast knowledge about, like, you know, like all these different uh, directors. And the reason, and I bring them up only because, like I said, they have artistic intelligence, colors that they use, or look at the the imaginary parallel lines that are used in the film project, because a lot of these guys were cinematographers that did pay attention to, like, to imaginary lines, to shadows, to lighting. And that's where – but the ones that were really all about, like, oh, you, you just don't understand, like, you just – you don't watch these films. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I do watch films, but I watch <laughs> films to enjoy the moment. I'm not trying to get a um, – I'm not trying to get, like, some, like, emotional change, like, right then and there. I have to personally watch a film like almost like four times in order to get the subliminal message because I like being suspended from reality. I want to forget that I'm in a movie theater or in this case, I wanted to forget that I was in the middle of a 2020 pandemic. Like, <laughs> and that's why to me, film bros got a little bit annoying was because they couldn't just like, okay, baby, you're smart. I'll give you a cookie. I'll give you a gold star. I don't care what I got to give you, but can we please just watch the film without you having to do some smarky or like some snarky, like smile in the back, like, because you get the joke and we do. It's like, okay, like that's cool, baby. Watch the damn film, please. Thank you. But um, <laughs> I will say this too. The film bros also made me feel insecure because um, I didn't realize who they were until I got to Cal State Monterey Bay where you got to meet a bigger school there was bigger productions, and there were way more students. And it made me think about my personal creativity. I should have realized, too, is I came from, uh, from Gavlin College with the broadcasting experience. With broadcasting, Rob, there's really not a whole lot of, like, quote-unquote, like, emotional creativity. Like, you're there to, like, uh, get a story, make sure everything runs on time, make sure everything is all smooth and everyone does their job, and then they go home. It was the whole fact that it made me think about what is my creativity? What is my messages that I'm trying to say? Like, what are, where's the mise en scène? Where's the parallel line? What's the emotion aside from 
it was a scary film or it was a funny film. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I said they're a little bit annoying because I'm like, stop making me think about my own artwork, okay? I put my whole heart into it. Not necessarily how you guys would, but I put my heart into this. Don't make me second guess it. Go, go, go watch Wes Anderson or 824. Go do something else. You make me feel dumb. <laughs> so that's how. Well, yeah. So that's and a- and I, I, yeah, I, no, I can see that, and, and you shouldn't feel dumb because, first of all, you, your creativity is, is um, brilliant, and your creativity, by definition, is, you need to do that from a blank slate so it is more expressive of your own individual perspective. I mean, it's, you know, it's like we, we talk all the time about people being their uh, authentic selves and your creativity is its authentic expression of you and it should be that kind of uh, authenticity. I, got, I was tickled by your um, discussion about film bros because I think I'm a reformed film bro. Because um, I used oh, to go okay, to all <laughs> art houses. I used to go see all the foreign films, and um, I'm very adept at watching a film and reading it in, in subtitles because I'm watching the, it, them do it in the authentic language and all that. But there was a point where I came to that was very similar to the point you uh, highlighted, which is, you know, I just paid, and this is a film prices were, you know, the film admission prices were going up and up and up. And after I was paying 10, 12 bucks to sit in a movie theater, I was going, I'm not going to critique this movie. You know, I am not going, because I used to do it primarily from the acting point of view. So I'd sit there and go, eh, I don't believe her performance. And, you know, that kind of tear apart the, the actor's performance. And it was like, why am I doing this? Just let it go. Just give it over to the film and let me just enjoy it. I paid to enjoy this. And um, so I, I reformed my film Brodom at that point. <laughs> but and I think, I I think your, yeah. your point is really valid. Right, because, like, again, it's like it's just you want to just enjoy the film, which is I will just say this right now. If anyone saw the Lucy um, – Lucy and Desi with um, Nicole Kidman and Javier. Oh, my God, I cannot remember his name. But um, I saw that on Amazon, and I know people are all about, like, oh, you should have gotten, like, Deborah Messing or you should have gotten someone else. I honestly did not care that it was Nicole. It was just I got what Lucy was like back in the early days. Well, first of all, being a woman in America pre-1970, you know, girl, I – my hat's off to you. But being a producer, actress, and all of that, I got it. And I also had some familiarity of, like, how Lucy was actually like. She wasn't kooky, but she was this very strict businesswoman. And I was like, ah, now I see it. Seeing that film, I was like, okay, now I get it. And it just made me fall in love even more. I don't care what y'all say. I had a good time because I got the essence of what they were trying to create. And um, I'll also add this to you on the twenty. 21, so I was still a young college kid trying to figure myself out. And to my advice, though, is their opinions matters just as much as yours. And I say that as in if you think you have that creativity, if you really feel like you put your heart and soul and you are proud of it, then screw what they have to say. What the hell do they know? They're students. They still think 
Actually, no, I don't have anything funny to say after that. But still, screw what they have to say. If you're 100% happy, then that's all that matters. And this I want to make sure that any young filmmaker out there that feels like, you know, you see these film bros with their fancy cameras, their emotional intelligence. If you feel insecure because they are doing things you want to achieve, then you know what? Just keep practicing. Work on what gives you that burn and just – and, and just fine-tune that creativity because, like I said, your opinion matters just as much as theirs do, but yours should matter the most. And if you're happy, then that's all that you have to worry about. So college kids, if you're still feeling insecure, just remember that. Your opinion matters the most, and if you're happy, just run with it. Yeah, no, I would, I would underscore that and say even there are people that um, in all sorts of artistic expression – that are so vested in other people's works and intellectualizing it is kind of where I would put it, you know, in terms of the film brodom. And the, the problem is, is, and there have been actually movies about this with where it, it, artists come to this realization, is they are not creatives anymore. They are intellects on the history of film, the history of art or whatever, and they can't, repro- they can't produce anything that is truly unique in them. All they can do is regurgitate this complex uh, um, uh, conglomeration of other people's work. And so I think, I think, I think your comments on them is, are right on target because I think it, they are actually stifle um, creativity. So we're, we're winding down to our last few minutes here. I want to ask this question. This is not something you've addressed in your podcast yet, um, but oh, in your correct. podcast you do <laughs> talk. You do talk from now to your ten year ago, you know, starting out self uh, from from high school and film school. I want you to picture yourself ten years from now talking to you now, what do you think some of the tips and ideas and direction you would be giving yourself from the future would be? First of all, slow down on the drinking. Um, Keep the waistline you have. No. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, Well, I would say, though, to – Pretty much 18-year-old me, it's great that no, you to, have your I plan said. Oh, oh. Talk, to, talk who, from, to which me? From 10 years now to you now. Oh, to me now? Oh. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Slow down on the drinking and keep the waistline that you have. That's a universal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I would say everything. I will say this. It's actually from... Shit's Creek, and it's because of what Moira said, saying how you'll look back at yourself with much kinder eyes and think, damn, I was beautiful. I think that's really how it is. It's like, even though everything that's led up to this current moment, you have a lot, you've done a lot. You've done, you don't give yourself, I don't give myself enough credit right now. You learned way, you, even though there are a lot of film failures, quote unquote, you still learned a lot and you're applying it. This journey itself has taken you, it's taken you almost everywhere. So it's taking you to a lot of places. And 
keep going. Like you're, it's, it's, you created this podcast. Like now, 10 years later, you have amazing stories that people relate to and you've grown from there. So I think that's what I would probably say is that like, give yourself more credit than it looks and that you were in, you may not see it now, but baby, you are beautiful. Just remember that. Something like that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I would say your, your self of 10 years hence is very wise, and you should listen to him because I think everything you just said is right on target. That, you know, you've accomplished a lot, you, you know, and you've experienced a lot. And even though and, – and they're very funny vignettes that you talk about in the podcast of the quote-unquote failures – but no failure is truly a failure. It is just simply an experience where you learn what door not to go through the next time. And um, the advice there is brilliant. People who are younger listening to it, you need to listen because if you listen to it, there is a really clear roadmap um, of what to do um, so that they don't fall into those traps. But you have experienced a lot and know how to do a lot of things that listening to it um, is like, whoa, that's impressive. Um, so, yeah, I think your, your older self talking to you now is, is right on target. Um, I want, I, we need to do some housekeeping stuff because uh, people know, need to know how, how do they find the, the new podcast. I know you launch April 8th. Uh, what are the platforms? How do they get to you, and um, how do they subscribe? Yeah, so um, I am so actually podcasters out there. If you're listening, I am going to be utilizing the host site Buzzsprout. Um, basically, Buzzsprout they put all they put the, the podcast on all available platforms: so Spotify, Apple, whatever your favorite go-to podcasting uh, app is to listen to them. Uh, my podcast will be available through Buzzsprout. And you can also talk to me on, on my social medias, at Hey Juan Cruz. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And, yes, I am on the Tic Tac posting stuff. Huh. But, but, yeah, the podcast will be available on all streaming services of your choice. Excellent. So look for it. Again, it launches April 8th. Um, the podcast is Being a Has Never. Um, and uh, it is very entertaining. If you are, even if you're not in the industry, it's, it's really insightful to listen to. Um, and but if you are, you know, in film school and have aspirations to be, you know, um, in the film or television industry, quote unquote, when you grow up, um, this is really the podcast you need to listen to. Um, one, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate um, the time with you. Um, but we've got four minutes left. What, what are your final words to our listeners? It's a challenge, y'all. It is a very big challenge, and I just have to say, just keep remembering you can do this. And like I said, who knows? You may, like, this roadmap is definitely a hard one to navigate through. You might go somewhere you didn't expect. So try to keep an, just try to keep an open mind, and don't get in your feelings, both the sad and the pissy hissy fit. Just, right, just follow your roadmap, and I wish you guys all the best of luck as well. Excellent. Well, again, thank you for coming on today, Juan, and um, uh, can't wait to listen to more Being a Has Never. 
um, great podcast. Uh, for this week, uh, upcoming week um, on our show, I actually do know what's coming up. Surprise, surprise. Um, this next week, we will have Grayson Chance. The, um, you will know him as the musician and singer, um, but he has just done a new film, and we're going to talk to him about that. And then the week after that, we have another new film that is making its way through the film circuits. So um, these are people who are film-wise. I mean, Grayson has made it in the music industry, but um, this is he's launching into the film industry and uh, wants to be a, a not a has-never. Um, so um, off we go in that, in that realm. Um, Brody, uh, if you were listening to Brody, for Brody, Brody has today off, and he will be back um, on our next installment. And again, I want to thank Juan and um, can't wait to see what you come up with, not only with your podcast, but you, your various talents. Um, totally believe in you and know that you're going to create great, great things in the future. Um, I want to thank our listeners and please do subscribe. Um, like Juan's podcast, you can find us on all the podcast platforms. Um, make sure to subscribe and we will be back again next week with something really, really, really great. See you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. Radio.